0: So, I am delighted to have my dear friend Yushan Tarango Sho and her whole family here um, to be with us today. Uh, Yushan is a really good friend of mine from way back. Um, she was my mentor in college, and a lot of the things that I've learned that make me great, I learned from Yushan. <laughs> um, she really helped me along my road of justice and um, understanding how Christianity interacts with that, and um, a lot of other fun experiences that you have to ask us about later. <laughs> but now Yushan is coming speaking um, as a representative, um, the founder of Sacred Roots. It's an organization in Oakland um, that does a lot to uh, further an establish community that seeks healing and liberation for um, BIPOC folks. So. Um, this is my friend Yushan, and her whole family is Javier and, um, and Joaquin and Mateo, so please come by and say hello. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that's good, yeah. All right, so a lot of the mischief that I got into was with Ginny, so you can ask her about that as well. Um, yeah, we could go ahead and put up the slides if you want. Good morning. It's so good to be here. My name is Yushan. There you go. Yushan Tarango show. Su Yushen. And uh um, I just want to invoke and call in my Hakka ancestors as well as Fujianese, Fujian um, ancestors. Into the space with us this morning. Uh, My Hakka ancestors were called Hakka because we are the only Han Chinese subgroup. That name is not uh, connected to any geographical area, region in China. It's literally translated as permanent guest. And it's because we are originally from. Uh, Northern China, Northern Chinese refugees that were constantly fleeing from war, upheavals, um, invasions throughout history. And that is why uh, we're called permanent guests. Um, That is also why my Hakka great-grandmother is the only grandmother, great-grandmother of mine that did not have uh, bound feet, mutilated feet because they couldn't afford for their women to be crippled. So as the most diasporic among the Chinese community group, I want to honor my Hakka ancestors' resilience and courage um, and determination to live. And I call them in to pray on our behalf among, as part of the cloud of witnesses, right? In the midst of multiple genocides in this world right now. I call them in as we face colonial wars. I also want to call in and honor my Fujianese ancestors who are also among the most diasporic Han Chinese people. We are everywhere. We're in Taiwan, we're in Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Philippines. Fujian was a prosperous political and trading hub at various points in Chinese history. So much of our migration around the world was fueled by our adventurous and entrepreneur spirit, ambition, and not so much by force. So many of them, not all, are wealthy, successful business people, often in impoverished countries, sometimes actively exploiting, and other times complicit, right, to the suffering of the poor people, indigenous to the land. So I honor my Fujinese ancestors this morning for their adventurous, for their creative, for their entrepreneurship. And I thank them for this critical question and critical lesson and learning that I wanna bring to us this morning. How do we as immigrants, as settlers, most of us, right? Settlers on this stolen land, how do we enter into deep generative reciprocity with the land and its people. So we go to the next slide. Dr. Robin Wall-Kimmerer is a botanist, educator, writer, enrolled member of the Citizen Bultawatomi Nation. And she writes, oh, can you see? That's kind of small, huh? Our immigrant Plant teachers offer a lot of different models of how not to make themselves welcome on a new continent. Garlic mustard poisons the soil so that native species will die. Tamarisk uses up all the water, but white man's foot, that's what they call it, broadleaf plantains. They're called white man's foot because they were, they came with the settlers and wherever the white folks were, these um, plants grew. Broadleaf plantain's strategy was to be useful, to fit into small places, to coexist with others around the dooryard, to heal wounds. Plantain is not indigenous, but naturalized after 500 years of living as a good neighbor. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, when I read that, I was like, you mean the bananas? So I had to look it up. So apparently, plantain um, uh, is, it's a fruit, right? But then there's another plantain, broadleaf plantain, that's an herb, and you can use every part of that herb. It's incredible medicine for so many different uses. So my prayer is that we could all become more like broadleaf plantains. So it is with the prayers and the witnessing of my Hakka refugee ancestors, and the critical learnings from my Fujianese immigrant ancestors that I open our time of reflection this morning. How do we in all of who we are, where we come from, and all the stories that we carry in our bodies show up in this moment for our collective healing and liberation? Knowing that we're not the first nor the last, Right? but we're part of a whole tapestry of spiritual, biological, gender, abolitionist ancestors, before and also after us. How do we show up? So this is really at the heart of the work of Sacred Roots. And I want to thank you, Haven. I mean, some of you might be new, so you, you might not even know that you've been supporting Sacred Roots from the start. I founded Sacred Roots in 2016, and you all have been um supporting us since then. So I um can't wait to tell you more about sacred roots and I want to thank you for walking with us through all the different iterations. But before that, I'd like to share a little bit more about myself. So we can go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, so you can't really see but um there's a little map of uh my family, my ancestors' migration. And then a little pic- the picture of little me, because um, there would not be me now without the survival shit of this little girl. So I like to always honor her. I want to also show, so on the left bottom corner, that's my family, they're here right now. My partner Javier is Chicano. Uh, and then there's Mateo, um, who is in ninth grade, and then Joaquin just got pulled into children's ministry. <laughs> I like to also show a picture of them when they were little, because I miss them. I miss the time when they let me cuddle with them, so I just wanted to put that up there. Some of the things that I love um, that gives me life, that nourishes me, is really being in nature, as, as hiking in Taiwan, one of the most beautiful uh, beautiful mountains in Taiwan, um, and really honestly just food like good food I just feel like that could really legitimately be my hobby um and then I have a picture of me uh having my first archery class and this is a hint for Javier but I would love to continue to learn um and you know aspiring archer it was really fun made me feel really powerful Uh, recommended if anybody want to try, uh, we go to the next slide. Uh, the other thing about me is that I have always found myself curious and drawn to this work at the intersection of spirituality and collective wellness. That means our spirituality grounding and interweaving and informing and being informed by the personal and the social transformation around us being in right relations with all, including ourselves. And so that led me to university in college and then going on staff with university um, as a campus minister and all the while, always drawn to coming back home, home to the margins and bringing a whole bunch of people with me and a whole bunch of resources. And maybe even the whole church with me, if they behave always drawn back home. I want the margins to feel, to look, to taste extravagant, to taste resourced and nourished and healing and centered and chosen, not just receiving breadcrumbs. Like there's, this is where the party's at. I was always imagining how can we center the margins and have a party right where jesus throws down and that's why i founded a six-week summer immersion internship called jesus justice poverty institute and that deepened our learning around faith and social justice through relationships and teachings from very prophetic movement leaders and healers that were oftentimes outside of the church the walls of the church oh and when I was in university, that was also when, you know, I got into a lot of mischief with Ginny. You see in the corner um, left side, that's, that's Ginny right there. As a first year, no, third year. I don't remember, back in the days. Um, so when InterVarsity came out with a policy that required all their employees to sign an agreement that denounced queer people from engaging in same-sex relationships, That was the final straw. I'm sure many of you heard about that. I resigned from the organization and followed my heart back home. Home to focus on cultivating and resourcing our beautiful, incredible communities at the margins, where Jesus too resides. I founded Sacred Roots in 2016 as a prayer and intention to recover and remember the sacredness of our roots, to remember how to interlock our roots with each other and to build our collective thrivership. So back to my question. You can go to the next slide. How do we and all of who we are, where we come from, and all the stories we carry, the stories of pain, the stories of joy, the stories of miracles, and show up in this moment for a collective healing and liberation. We'll go to the next slide. And here are some reflections, right? Leaning into the both and and breaking binaries. One of the characteristics of white supremacy culture is this either or mentality, right? Things are either good or bad, right or wrong, with us or against us sacred or demonic and scary, right? Yet, scripture teaches us to embrace complexity. Kingdom of God is here and it's yet to come, right? We know so much about who God is, and we know absolutely nothing. It's impossible for us to fully grasp the vastness of the Supreme Being, right? We are immersed in the earthly, secular life every day. And yet every moment is infused with sacred mysticism and miracles. We are learning to extend radical hospitality to all of the spectrums of our both and in our emotions, and our being and our identities, right? Extend, extending hospitality to our grief, our love, our rage, our compassion, our happiness, our sorrow, our despair, our confusion. And as American Christians, we have to reckon with this horrendous acts of destruction, of violence, of genocide in our spiritual lineage, right? Since the inception of this nation and this deep knowing that the God we worship has always been about life, about love, about abundance, about right relations. The Jesus we follow has always been of, for and with the masses, right? A Palestinian Jew, displaced people, survivor of genocide, a mystic, a movement healer, organizer, who dedicated his whole life to the sacred work of liberation in the most holistic definition of the term. So Dr. Grace G. Sun Kim is a professor of doctrinal theology. And she writes about this East American concept of chi as a way to help deepen our understanding of Holy Spirit. And she writes, Qi is a generative process that takes place through this interaction of two vital forces, yin and yang. These polarities are not competitive dualism as understood in Western philosophy, but rather are aspects are that are both equally necessary to generate transformation. So yin and yang are positive and negative, seemingly opposite forces that are actually interdependent and interconnected. And the Holy Spirit or Qi as Dr. Kim argues, compels us to live, to love, to dance for the Creator by holding what seems like opposites together in balance and harmony, the both and in order to generate change. That's actually, it's impossible for change to happen without these seemingly polar opposites. So as we witness multiple genocides and the destructive nature of principalities and forces of evil, we hold that in balance with the incredible witnessing of a new generation that is emerging. Most of whom are these leaderful organizers that are young, that are queer, that are black indigenous people of color. They bring such deep critical analysis and the wisdom and courage and creativity to pivot towards new practices. And all the while honoring and integrating traditional ancestral wisdom. They are where a lot of us in social justice movements called old souls, gifts from the ancestors. They come with so much wisdom. They are strategic, they are fierce, and at the same time, keeping their hearts and spirits soft and grounded. So we embrace and we celebrate the both and, right? Allowing these seemingly opposing realities, multiple genocides happening, right? and this emerging leaderful generation of leaders. Opposing what seemingly opposing realities to inform us and generate this necessary change to bring about Holy Spirit balance for such a time as this. So that's the first reflection I love for us to sit with. Where are the places where the both and already exist in us? And then where are those places, the invitations to continue to press into those places that feel so polarized, polar opposites. This brings me to my next reflection about how we can show up in this moment. How do we cultivate a robust leaderful culture, right? To lean into the natural flow of leading and following. It is critical that we as American Christians, we know how to participate and collaborate in this collective movement towards liberation. Historically, we have either stood against liberation, right, being on the side of oppression and destruction, or we want to take over and monopolize the whole movement because we think we're the only ones who have the answers. Or we stand on the sidelines paralyzed by guilt and fear. We have to cultivate another way. And I think I'm seeing that we are, right? We are cultivating, we're learning how to cultivate another way, a robust way to engage in deep reciprocal, theological, relational, missional work with communities outside of our Christian circles. We have to know how to play nice. If our prayer and vision is for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, then there's so much we have to offer as followers of Jesus. And there's so much to learn from so many others who have just as deep of a spiritual practice. Just as deep, in all the various traditions and practices on the streets, in churches, in temples, in mosques, synagogues, traditional ceremonies. In fact, some of these traditions have gone way longer and right longer history than Christianity. Knowing exactly what we bring to the movement helps us know when to lead and when to follow. So for example, in this moment, how do we, as a church, follow the lead of these brilliant young queer BIPOC women and femmes right now, leading the global movement to free Palestine? How can the church support and come alongside? When do we step up? Because we need to step up, right? We don't just stand on the sideline and say, we have nothing to offer. We have plenty to offer. When do we step up and when do we step back? How do we as some of us, older generation, um, how do we engage with young leaders in this moment, in this beautiful dance of following and leading, right? And we break this kind of um, almost as binary, right? That so often we have adopted this um, seniority, right? How do we, create this robust intergenerational collaboration and partnership. Um, so at Sacred Roots, we are remembering and relearning how to be in a sacred circle as so many of our ancestors practice in our indigenous ways. When we stand in a circle, everyone's humanity is equally witnessed and honored. Everyone is seen, everyone is held. Instead of comparison and competition, we share power by participating in this natural flow of leading and following. We step up and lead when our skills and expertise benefit the circle, and then we follow and defer when others in the circle have expertise that we don't have our circle is grounded in trust and interconnectedness with each other. And that is where we practice accountability. We see our collective inner work and our outer work as one of the same thread, interwoven and interconnected. So we manifest what we want to see in the world through our collective practice in the circle. That's how we practice integrity will go to the next slide. Sacred Roots is an intergenerational, interfaith, black, indigenous, and women of color-led organization that somehow turned out to be majority queer. Our movement practitioners, um, majority of them identify as queer. And our vision is to support the holistic health and wellness of the multi-generational, multi-racial, multi-sector, multi-faith movement that is happening already, right? How do we support their holistic health and wellness towards liberation through cultural healing practices and embodied learning? So we ground our work in our values. Let me go to the next slide. So one of our values, cultural wisdom, We believe in centering traditional cultural wisdom and practices of black, indigenous and people of color in our collective healing and liberation. Power with, we also believe that the wisdom of those most impacted by the system of oppression must inform the what and how of social transformation interconnectedness. We also believe in and nurture the sacred presence and connection between all living beings. So at sacred roots, we ground our work, all of our work in these three values. So what do we do? We offer embodied learning and healing pedagogy that's rooted in black, indigenous and people of color, cultural wisdom and practice. What does that mean? So we offer healing justice workshops because oppression and white supremacy is experience in our body and our spirit and in relationships. Oftentimes, intellectualized anti-oppression learning falls short, right, as sustainable remedies for its impact. We can't just intellectualize our way out. So that's why our offerings are always embodied and in relationships with and informed by the wisdom of those most impacted. Our focus includes relearning truthful history, reconnecting with our traditions, and recovering healing tools to transform systems of oppression. One of the offerings under these workshops is an intercession course that I teach annually for the Graduate Theological Union as a consulting faculty. So seminarians spent six days with me and other BIPOC movement leaders and healers to decolonize, not just what we learn, but how we learn, how we learn theology and practice. Another offering we have is healing justice sanctuary. So these are individual healing sessions in various black, indigenous, and black uh, and people of color, ancestral healing modalities, right? By resourcing individuals in the movement and those most impacted by trauma and oppression with wellness tools, we strengthen our collective capacity and resilience and effectiveness, right? in our struggle for liberation. So we resource individuals in order to strengthen the movement. Our practitioners are trained in so many different BIPOC ancestral healing practices and ceremonies that historically have been banned by the state, have deemed demonic or evil, right? From Christian institutions. But these are medicine that have been around for so long, right? Thousands of years. So we are recovering and healing what was broken due to white supremacy. The transmission of ancestral medicine from one generation to the next. When I think about my ancestry, right? Like when I became a Christian, I was taught or I internalized that all of my ancestral practices were somehow irrelevant at best and maybe scary and demonic and something I should be really careful about right? You don't want to mess with those spirits. And so when I, in my relationship with a lot of indigenous folks who have been just horrendously traumatized by Christian practice, oftentimes in boarding schools, right? That historical trauma from boarding schools So they can't even access the spiritual practice of Christianity because it brings up so much trauma and yet it has been so indoctrinated and ingrained in their body spirit to distrust their own practice. So then we have generations of people who are spiritually bankrupt, completely bankrupt, no access to spirit, which is our birthright. It is all of our birthright to have this direct connection to the divine, to the supreme being, to God, right? And because of white supremacy, generations, right, of folks are cut off from such incredible potent medicine. So the invitation to our Christian churches, how do we hold the both and? How do we hold the both and? Some of the modalities that we practice, that we offer uh, movement folks and individuals are traditional Asian medicine, curandanismo, tamazgal, reiki, therapeutic qigong, astrology, numerology, um, traditional ceremonies. It wasn't that long ago, right? I don't know exactly the, the, the year, but it was banned. It's just more recent that folks are able to have ceremonies again. Right? Chinese, um, traditional Chinese medicine was banned in the state until I don't remember, but it was pretty recent, right? And then all of a sudden, it became this like super like, you know, it's scientifically proven that there's some kind of health, you know, um, benefits and all of a sudden, traditional Chinese medicine becomes medicalized, culturally appropriated, and co-opted. So that leads to our third offering that we're about to launch, Ancestral Healing School. The school will build communities for healthy stewardship of indigenous healing arts through ongoing teachings and mentorship from lineage wisdom keepers as well as well as peer-to-peer support and accountability group. This will allow movement healers to continue integrating and weaving intercultural medicine with quality and integrity. Why are we launching this? Because we see the the, the importance of bringing in, right, this medicine and of reconnecting what was severed. And we also see when we don't do it with integrity, the slobbiness that comes, right? We dishonor the medicine when it becomes culturally appropriated. You know, when people don't honor and there's not this reciprocity um, between the medicine and the practitioner, then it's just cultural appropriation. So part of our vision and our prayer for this school is that we would bring in these um, wisdom keepers that will continue to inform and teach and train our practitioners so that we keep generous with these ancestral medicine and still integrous. So that's what's happening um, with Sacred Roots and uh, you can go to the next slide. You all are invited to access any of our offerings. Uh, This is a quote, I don't know if you could see this, um, a quote that we often talk about by this Aboriginal activist, um, Lila Watson. If you have come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is tied up, bound up, tied up, can't see, with mine, then let us work together. So we welcome everyone and anyone to come and collaborate under this framework. So I have some questions for you all. Um, actually, Jenny, you were gonna, this is a questions from Jenny. actually. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I just thought um, I would take a quick minute to pray for Yushan and Sacred Roots before we move on to the questions. Um, So let's pray. Um, Holy Spirit, I thank you for Yushan and um, just all of the stories that she contains, all of the experiences of her ancestors, all the experiences that she and her family have had together. Um, Thank you for the great fruit in her ministry in all those years and that that fruit continues. Um, pray for Sacred Roots as a as an organization that they would be able to continue their mission of restoring and healing um, communities that have been oppressed um, by um, the culture of white supremacy and um, by unjust history, even of the Christian church. Um, so God, we pray for your continued work and healing In Yushan and in um, the people that she uh, and we are all supporting, amen. Oh,
1: did you want to read the questions? Um,
0: (laughs) I can't really see the board, but y'all can. Y'all can. Yeah, Yushan will read the questions.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Okay, some questions. This is collaboration between me and Ginny. What are some ways that you are learning to embrace the both and and breaking binaries? And what does it mean to remember how to interlock our roots with each other to build our collective thrivership? I think the intention is that you choose one of these to think about. (laughs) What are ways we could continue to do this alongside and at Haven in the Bay Area's diasporas where where we each live? And then when do we as American Christians take the lead? What do we have to offer, right? And when do we follow? Can we just
0: get one more, thank you. <laughs> Round of applause for Yushen. <laughs> thank you so much, Yushen. It was, it was so wonderful to hear all about what you guys are doing and we're so grateful we can support and, and look forward to following your leadership more as we continue to grow in this. Um, so we're going to take about 10 minutes to break up into small groups, as we usually do. Um, these are groups of around four to six people um, that we're going to just form amongst us. Um, as always, you're welcome to share if you like. You're also welcome to pass or just to listen. Um, we'll be using these questions as, you know, some some reflections or whatever else has come up for you um, as a result of hearing Yushan's teaching. So we'll do that for 10 minutes, and then we'll come back for. Um, responsive worship, okay?